Hello and welcome to the very first ever episode of the Spittin' Facts Podcast. Hi, my name is Ethan Spazarski, and today we're going to be breaking down the Final Four in the NHL Stanley Cup Playoffs, see who's going to win the series, see who had on to play in the Stanley Cup Final, and on top of that, we're going to break down some new NFL news over this offseason as we head into training camp in the end of mini camps, and we're going to rank the top 10 NFL teams as of today. So, without further ado, let's get started. So, the first game of two today starts today for the semifinals of the 2021 NHL playoffs, where the New York Islanders are going to head down to Tampa Bay to take on the defending Stanley Cup champions, the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, where better to get started than to break down the goaltender matchup? Simeon Varlamov comes into today's contest 4-3. and three. He's allowing 2.62 goals a game. His save percentage is about a 92.5%. And he's the only goaltender without a shutout so far this postseason. Now you go on the other side. You got to look at Andre Vasilevsky, the ultimate stud of the Tampa Bay Lightning. 8-3. and three. He's allowing just over 2.2 goals a game. He's about a 93% save percentage and has produced two shutouts, both against the Carolina Hurricanes in the second round. And so if we're going to stop right there real quick, we're going to look into this a little more. Sumi Varlamov was actually the backup last year, and you could tell for most of the game, it was it was very hard. He wasn't as confident. He didn't look as comfortable in the net as he is this year, but that all comes with experience. And Whenever you're giving up at the end of the regular season just over two goals a game and you're easily probably the best goalie in the entire East Division, of which he is in this case, as he is the last man standing, that is something to look forward to and say bravo to the New York Islanders. Sorokin obviously came in for the first round winning all four games that he did start to beat the Pittsburgh Penguins and Varlam actually did lose both games he did start in that series. However, he did come back, and he won four of the five games he started for the New York Islanders in the second round against the Boston Bruins. I think something important to remember is that this is the New York Islanders are a very physical, up-front team. They will hit you where it hurts. They will block your stars. Obviously, in the first round, it was easy. Second round, not as easy, but they can do it. Um, but when you have Nikita Kucherov, Braden Point, Steven Stamkos, Victor Hedman all running around, it is very hard. So I think that aspect of their game is shut down in a little bit. Um, I do like the upgraded goaltender, though. As I mentioned before, Simon Varlamov is now the starting goaltender. He was only the backup last year. More experienced. He looks confident. He was the best goaltender in the East Division by far heading into this year. Um, but right now... I do think the Tampa Bay Lightning do take this series in seven games. They're, again, they went six games in the Eastern Conference Final last year. And the New York Islanders are better than they were last year, in my opinion. Especially with Barry Trotz learning more experience, upgrading their players. Matt Barzell is starting to get hot again. You know, Matt Martin's been very physical, very good at passing pucks. J.G. Pajot leading their team in points with 13 points this offseason. I think a lot of guys have been stepping up. Everybody's been producing amount of points. So there isn't one standout man. It's everybody producing. And something I think not a lot of people understand with this Islanders team is they may not always get the most shots on goal, but they make them count. They, 
Again, first round against Pittsburgh Penguins. Double overtime, game five. Penguins end with 50 shots on goal. Islanders, I'm pretty sure, only had 27, and they won the game 3-2 in double overtime. That's, that's an important stat to remember because, again, the Islanders make their shots count. They put the ones that they need to go in the back of the net. They let it go in. They embarrassed Tuka Rask easily. I favored, to be honest, to looking into it, I thought Boston would take out the Islanders in six games. It's the other way around. And it, it was very hard to do for... They just embarrassed Tuka Rask. Plain and simple. Also, the Nassau Coliseum. It's last year up. If he goes out, it's going to go out with a bang. It's, oh, they have, the Islanders, when they're at home, are very dangerous teams. The fans brutalize players, chanting. They just straight up bully any player that steps in there. And if they can make fun of them, they will. I, I do I kind of admire that, though. That is an environment that makes it hard for any away team to go in and play. However, at the end of the day, there are four games that are going to be played at home for Tampa and only three at Nassau. And I just think, starting with Andre Vasilevsky, who's been extra hot right now, playing out of his mind, he does lead the Final Four. He has two shutouts. His save percentage is at 93%. It is the second highest of the four starting goaltenders. And I think it all starts and ends also with Nikita Kucherov. As usual, playing out of his mind, didn't play at the end, didn't play all year, play in the regular season. His first game back, he scores two goals in the in the playoffs against the Florida Panthers, which I think is important. He does lead the team with 18 points, five goals and 13 assists. Um, him and Brayden Point, especially. I think Brayden Point's someone that many people sleep on, especially when you have a lot of well-producing talent makers like they do in Tampa Bay. Um, but overall, despite New York's kiss from God, they've been blessed so far with their run again. They make it for the second straight year to the conference finals. And in a sense, because technically it isn't the conference finals, but it is the semifinal round. They do make it there for the second year in the row. Barry Trotz has done an excellent job with this team. The Islanders are definitely in the right direction. But I think with the momentum Tampa Bay has with Andre Vasilevsky just being the better goaltender, I think that's how they they will win in seven games, I do think. Um, but it will be an evenly close battle again, and the Islanders are a better team than they were last year, in my opinion. However, if the Islanders want, have, want to have a chance of winning this game, in any game, the you know how you beat Andre Vasilevsky is you cloud the front of the net. You, get, you block his vision. For most goaltenders, that is obviously how you beat them. However... With this Tampa Bay defense, they do a great... They For the most part, they do a good job of letting Vasilevsky see. But if you get in front you just keep jabbing like the puck, you're going to get it past Vasilevsky. His secondary and third, the third rebounds, if you don't let him keep the rebounds, you can score off of him. You can beat him through the five hole. It's been done before, and I think that is a way to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. And especially if you're going to, you know, beat him through there, that's exactly how you're going to have to do it. Um, I do like... Though Tampa Bay overall in the series, and that is my pick for that. So heading on to the Montreal Canadiens, they'll be taking on the Vegas Golden Knights tomorrow, Monday, at 9 p.m. on NBCSN. The Montreal Canadiens setting a record since their 1960 Montreal Canadiens team. They haven't trailed since Game Four of the first round against the Toronto Maple Leafs. They've gone for now 437 minutes and 53 seconds without trailing in this Stanley Cup playoffs. So the entire time versus Winnipeg Jets, the Montreal Canadiens never trailed. And I think this is very important 
and very impressive nonetheless. Montreal showed that they are the underdogs. They are the fourth seed in the North Division. They came out and they beat Winnipeg. They came out and beat Toronto, and that's important. I didn't think Montreal would. I thought Montreal would lose in the first round of Toronto. However, statistics have proven me wrong. And Carey Price is a big part of that. Eight and three. He's allowed just uh, 2.36 goals a game. He has, as I said, mentioned before, the highest save percentage with a 93.5% save percentage, and he has produced one shutout so far this playoffs. However, despite Montreal's recent success this playoffs, I am going to take Vegas in six games, and here's why. It starts with Marc-Andre Fleury. He's played the most games out of any goaltender in the Final Four so far, and he's allowed just under two goals a game for that matter. I think it's very important to remember that he played seven games in Minnesota versus Minnesota. He played Robin Leonard gets put in for Vegas and loses seven to one in game one. They would say, Alright, you're out, Robin. We're gonna put Mark Country back in. And then he goes four and one in that series. So he plays seven games there and plays five games here. In total, he goes eight and four up to this point. And I think it's very important that Maybe at times Vegas has had a lackluster defense. Very hard, especially they've gone like, two games in that Avalanche series without Ryan Reeves. They did go one and one in that process without Reeves as well. I think he's their best hitter. But it's interesting to me because both these teams actually lost in the second round last year to teams that aren't even in the playoffs. Weren't even in the playoffs this year. Philadelphia knocked out. Montreal in the second round in six games. And Dallas, actually, who went on to the Stanley Cup final, actually ended up beating Vegas in the second round in five games, four games to one. So it's interesting how both teams have rebounded. However, I think Vegas does win this in six. Like I said, Marc-Andre Fleury leads that. The Vegas offense, they just seem to, I think it's their chemistry to me, is just what's going to come out and beat them. I understand with Montreal, they're all young. They don't have a lot of chemistry. And yeah, they did end up beating a Winnipeg team that does have a good chemistry. But at the end of the day, Mark Scheifele got suspended four games for his hit on Jacob Evans in the empty netter. And I think that's where it all started to unravel. Because Montreal was hot. They were playing. Winnipeg got off six games. So Montreal came out. They punched in the math. Not to mention... They took got one of the Jets' best players in Mark Scheifele. So I do like how Montreal did that. However, both teams are still hot. Both teams are getting the same amount of time off. And However, Vegas may be getting the edge here. I do think Vegas wins because the experience and they haven't had nine days off. Um, I do, But I do like this series a lot. It is going to go to six games in my prediction. Uh, William Carlson is going to pop off. That is another prediction I have that kind of starts with him. He leads the team with 11 points so far this postseason. But William Carlson has been doing it for the whole time he's been in Vegas. I think he helps continue to produce that offensive numbers along with Mark Stone, the captain who has done an excellent job this year as the first franchise captain. Um, So, yeah, that's how I look at that. Uh, so if we're going to go by what I've said so far, I'm going to say it's Tampa and Vegas together in the Stanley Cup final, both Tampa Bay, the number three seed, and then Vegas, actually the number two seed going to be taking on each other in the Stanley Cup final that we'll talk about a later time as when we get closer to Stanley Cup final, I do like those two teams right now, 
And now we are going to move on to the next segment, which we're going to talk about some NFL news so far. And we're going to rank the top 10 NFL teams as of today. So to kick off today's NFL news report, we're going to start down in Kansas City, where Le'Veon Bell makes it clear he wants nothing to do with Kansas City, and he's out of there. Le'Veon Bell tweeted, and I quote, I'll never play for Andy Reid again. I'd retire first. Le'Veon Bell did not play in the final two playoff games for the Kansas City Chiefs. He didn't play in the Super Bowl, where he, where the Kansas City Chiefs, excuse me, did end up losing to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Le'Veon Bell makes it clear that, you know, he felt rushed in this decision of playing with a new team after leaving the New York Jets. He says, and I quote, ain't no more finessing me with lies and to just get me to sign with a team. Bell wrote, no more rush decisions on my end, period. So the last time Le'Veon Bell had over 800 yards rushing in a season was 2017, back when he was with the Pittsburgh Steelers, where he was a part of something big. He did end up leaving the Steelers because he didn't feel like he didn't get paid what he should have gotten paid. And at the time, I can agree with him. In 2017, Le'Veon Bell, I can get it. Now, I don't. And here's why. Le'Veon Bell isn't the same Le'Veon Bell he was in 2017 while he thinks he is. Le'Veon Bell's mindset through these into, through the past few years have been very difficult to me. I have been able to see eye to eye with him. And he was a great fit with the Chiefs, if we're going to be straight. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, leading back. He wasn't the number one star. We had Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins was there. Hardman was there. Patrick Mahomes leading the charge, a very mobile quarterback. He was a versatile back, so if they needed to use him, they could. He wasn't the number one star. So if they needed to use him, it wasn't the number one guy, but people still had to be aware of him. And he had a great coach. Andy Reid is an exceptional coach. Now, if, you know, multiple players did come out and say Andy Reid's the worst, he's, he sucks, you know, we don't like the environment we have there. However, the past two years, they've made it to two straight Super Bowls. They won one. Andy Reid has led and helped Patrick Mahomes blossom and continue to blossom to be one of the best quarterbacks of, the, his, of his time and is easily leading up to be. One of the best, along with Tom Brady, right now. He's heading up that slope. Um, but no one else has said this about Andy Reid. I can't tell you the last time someone's come out and called out Andy Reid like this, especially on a social media platform. Oh, well, that is Le'Veon Bell's way of doing things, going to Twitter, posting out, and being vocal there. Um, I I did like his fit with Kansas City. Now this kind of leads to the point where where are you gonna, where does Le'Veon Bell go next? Whenever he's ready, obviously, where does he where does he fit best? Where is he going to go that I can't know at this time because of I mean, he's been with the Jets where he was supposed to be the star back and he just had a lackluster year. He wasn't there 17 games with the Jets and he didn't produce. He comes out with the Chiefs to produce this and during the midseason. He was picked up and it looked like things were going well from the outside until today where he reports he doesn't want to go back. So. Now the question is, where does Le'Veon Bell go? He's not the same 2017 back as he was. I think it's important to note that he is still dangerous and versatile, and he can be good if he was in 2017. Uh, but I just don't see that right now, especially if you're going to take your time and not be rushed. Um, I mean, peer pressure is something you learn back in middle school and high school. You know, If the deal isn't right, don't be rushed into it. If you didn't feel comfortable then I don't know why he ended up signing with the Chiefs. Nonetheless, if Le'Veon Bell wasn't there, I 
to be honest, I do think the Chiefs still are as successful as if Bell wasn't there. Um, but, you know, we don't know. We're going to see where Le'Veon Bell does end up going heading into today. And that's that with that piece of news right there. In other NFL news, Zach Prescott came out today saying that his starting running back, Ezekiel Elliott, looks great. He's in the best shape of his life and he's looking fast. After last season, having all career low numbers um, in his just one-on-one videos that he's posted with himself working out, uh, he does look really good. However, it's one thing to be looking good in a video and train. It's another thing to go out and produce on the field. If, though, Zeke is able to help out this offense, Dak comes back as a great year, uh, continuing to need to prove himself with his contract that he has with the Cowboys, especially with these high-producing receivers like Amari Cooper. You know, it's very important that Dallas produces, and especially on the defensive side of the ball, they need to get their act together. Uh, the first six draft picks this year were all defensive side of the ball. I think that's important. If this defense can find out something to do and the offense can continue to click with Zeke, Dallas wins the NFC East by far, especially with last year being the I mean, worst division in football, all teams having a losing record. And the winning the winning uh Washington football team had a seven nine or excuse me, seven, eight, and one record. They won the division. That's something to look forward to. I think that the Cowboys, if Zeke again it can produce, they can go back to like the first year with how Dak and them played. I think this can be a legit threat team. However, if Zeke doesn't perform, the offense is still good and the defense gets better. I still do think Dallas wins the NFC East because their offense is good enough as it is with a limited back and a star offenses and receivers and key weapons like that, especially with Prescott needing to come back and especially prove something. And if Dallas picks up that defense and fix up, fixes up what they need to do, stop the balls, you know, not let people pass and run all over them, then I don't think Zeke Elliott becomes that much of a problem and focus for the Cowboys which would be hard for Jerry Jones because he likes to pay everybody in anything uh, that comes his way for the Dallas Cowboys. And, yeah, that's my take on that. And now, without further ado, we're going to head in to the t- – we're going to rank today's top 10 NFL teams starting today. Here we go. Starting at number 10 on my list today, we're going to go with the New Orleans Saints. Yes, Drew Brees did retire. Yes, they did lose Emmanuel Sanders to the Buffalo Bills over free agency. However, this is still a very talented roster. The defense continues to be just as impressive. They still do have Michael Thomas. They still got Alvin Kamara. And they still do have a question mark at quarterback. Who's going to get it? Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill? I don't know. I give it to Taysom Hill because Taysom Hill continues to provide something like Lamar Jackson, in a sense, he can run. He could be a running back, but he also can be a receiver. He can block, and you know, if he continues to work on his throwing, I think he's a legit. The Saints are legit contenders. Uh, like I said, their defense isn't the problem. It's going to be the offense this year. They still have some good key points and weapons uh, with Jared Cook at the tight end. You got Michael Thomas. You got Alvin Kamara. I think Taysom Hill, though, it's going to rely a lot on him, especially if he wins. This starting quarterback job for the Saints, Sean Payton is one of the best QB, or uh, excuse me, head coach minds in the NFL. So I'm going to take New Orleans at 10. 
Number nine, I'm going to go down to Seattle. The Russell Wilson offensive line trade drama has pretty much, as we can conclude, has come to fruition. It's over for now, at least. And I like what Seattle has done. They only they had very few picks this year in the draft, but that's not where it matters. Uh, you know, Carlos Dunlap coming back once he came over to the uh, Seattle defense. Their defense really stepped up. I think he's a very keen asset to that. Richard Sherman is still out there as a free agent. I think that wouldn't be a bad pickup as well to return back to Seattle if he's willing to mean if he's willing to do so. I know he's going to take his time and look for where he can win championships. I know it's important to him. Russell Wilson, you know, coming off of a great beginning of the season, then lackluster at the end. I think he's going to continue to produce. I love Russell Wilson as a quarterback. I think he's great. That offensive line is where they need to get in the uh, fix. It's not the receiving core. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, top five duo in the NFL wide receiver-wise. In my opinion, I do like them in that aspect of the game. So it is going to come down, though, to Russell Wilson. And can he get along with Pete Carroll? Can they run this offense the way they want to run it? And that's going to be important. So I'm going to put them at nine. Number eight, we're going to come in. We're going to go with the LA Rams here. And with the addition of Matthew Stafford and Tutu Atwell, I think that's very important to remember. Uh, this offense getting an upgrade at quarterback and adding more weapons as they did add Deshaun, or, uh, Deshaun Jackson oh, as well to this wide receiver core with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods along with Tyler Higbee. Um, I think this is very important to the Rams offense. However, they did lose the key point with Michael Brockers down on the defensive line heading over to Detroit with Jared Goff two weeks after Jared Goff was actually traded to Detroit or heading over, excuse me. Um, but this defense is still lethal. You still got Aaron J- or Aaron Donald. You still got Jalen Ramsey. You still have a per- you still have a pretty lethal defense. And LA has had success with defense, especially coaching wise and coordinating wise. So I'm not too worried about that. It's another thing. It's just trial and error. You got to see how it works. The chemistry is beginning to build with Matthew Stafford. LA is excited to have him there. He's excited to finally be a part of a team. That's not only on national television more than often than not, but a team that can actually produce well for his career and give him the numbers he needs. Uh, so I'm going to put LA at eight. Number seven, I'm going to do something that I don't think a lot of people are going to do, and that's put the New England Patriots at number seven, the seventh best team in the NFL. This Their free agency has been my favorite to watch. They've been doing great. They've added a lot of key weapons on the offensive and defensive side of the ball, especially offensive. Resigning Cam Newton. 13 mil year one year contract getting mac jones not my favorite quarterback i find him limited i don't think that does much however he there's a chance that he can be great he did work with alabama and now he's going to bill belichick so the coaching aspect of it he's going from one great college coaching mind to a great nfl coaching mind with bill belichick um i like what new england's done so far like i said this year they're getting cam weapons to help it build and continue to move out, uh, Rex Burkhead is out. He did leave. He has moved on, uh, I'm pretty sure, to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I think that doesn't play an aspect at all. But I think I like the Patriots this year. I like the moves they've been making. I like getting Kyle Vanoy back on defense. I think that's important to remember. And I think over time, in the beginning of the season, it will be up and down. But by the end, just like Tampa Bay last year, New England pulls off and they're going to have a great season and they're going to make it back to the playoffs and they're going to get a wild card spot in my opinion to Buffalo Bills winning their division so uh for number six we're going to go uh, we're going to stick with Tennessee they've all as well especially with this Julio Jones pickup 
very important. Him, H.J. Brown, and uh, Derrick Henry all on the offensive side of the ball. Very important. Uh, Ryan Tannehill has been playing, has been putting up great numbers along with Patrick Mahomes. Very similar numbers as well. I think it's important to remember that, you know, Ryan Tannehill with Adam Gase was garbage. He comes over here to Tennessee with Vrabel and pops off. I think that's important to remember. I think it's also great to remember that Tennessee is building up their defense as well, getting Bud Dupree as an edge rusher to help get to the quarterback faster, upgrade that defense that was very lackluster as well last year. So I'll take Tennessee at six. Number five, we're going to go Cleveland Browns. And the only reason I'll have them higher is because of Baker Mayfield. I don't know. I'm not, I am not completely sold on Baker Mayfield being that quarterback yet. At the end, he did prove that he has the leadership skills. However, he's not my favorite quarterback attitude-wise, especially with how he's acted in the past. I don't think... I mean, he makes very iffy decisions at times. And also, this team, without Odell Beckham Jr., can win and produce numbers. So I don't think they need Odell. I think keeping him there while he's injured is just going to damage his numbers a lot if you don't and you get him out there and you can get draft picks of which draft picks can be used to get other players and other you know get other positions to help you succeed so I think keeping ODBJ there is a little hard and I think I'm not completely bought on Baker Mayfield being a success story yet however this defense is stacked this offensive the the running game stacked uh the receiving core very good I am gonna go with uh Cleveland at five Number four, I'm going to go Baltimore. Um, Very up and down season last year. Lamar Jackson, everyone's finally getting understanding what to do. But Lamar, you know, something to prove, you know. He's still their quarterback. He's still their guy. Uh, I think something important to remember is that the Ravens are in a division where it's their only real challenge is the Cleveland Browns. And we can get into the Steelers and why they're not a complete threat right now. But their only challenge is the Cleveland Browns. And the Bengals are rebuilding. The Steelers are trying to find themselves right now and see what they're doing. They're at the end of a quarterback life. Uh, it's interesting to see how that's going to turn out. However, uh, I do think the Ravens do put up uh, good numbers as well this year. I do think they go second in the division and get the second wild card spot of this team. So as of right now, with Aaron Rodgers still with Green Bay, Green Bay is the third best team in the NFL. As of right now, Jordan loves saying coming out and be like, you know what? I'm here to play. They drafted me to play quarterback, and that's what I'm going to do. Um, I haven't heard enough to, or I haven't seen enough of him to make my decision yet. I know they brought in Blake Bortles. He is an experienced mind, nonetheless. He may not be the most productive quarterback, but he is a veteran mind to help out rookie Jordan Love, especially with Aaron uh, Aaron Rodgers skipping out, heading out to Hawaii and enjoying his vacations and taking time off and ignoring the Packers for a little bit and again he made it clear this isn't his teammates this isn't his coaches he loves his teammates and coaches he loves them it's not that at all he's made that clear it's clear with the front office I mean with their GM uh and it's interesting to look at uh Green Bay's defense as well it's still pretty good in my opinion um something though I think a lot of people aren't expecting are gonna be um the Chicago Bears for this year in the NFC North. Uh, also, with the, I think it's going to be between the Bears and the Vikings, obviously. It's going to be pretty close uh, with how that ranks out for the second place. But as of right now, I have Green Bay at number three. 
Uh, number two, I'm going to go uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Despite losing Le'Veon Bell, they're still an amazing football team. They've proved that the last two years, two and a half years. They've proved they can produce numbers. They've proved they can, you know, make plays. Obviously, they lost Sammy Watkins down to Baltimore, but they still have a lot of great weapons. Patrick Mahomes is a great mind. They still have a young backing client, Edwards Hilaire. I think he's going to continue to produce great numbers this year. And the only reason I don't have them as number one is because of this reason here. And number one, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Because they resigned their entire roster, of which won the Super Bowl. Now, they're going to be all 22 players offensive defense. Bruce Arians has a year under his belt with this offense. Tom Brady has a year under. They finally built some chemistry of what they needed to do. They didn't have a preseason, and they did have UTAs last season. I think this year with that coming back is very important. Uh, I think Bruce Arians finally gets an understanding of how this is going to work. Him and Tom Brady are building a relationship. I think that's very important. Uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin coming out to prove something. Rob Gronkowski coming out here as well. OJ Howard coming off injury. He wants to help prove something. And, you know, I think it's very important that this defense as well is staying attacked for the most part. And they embarrassed Kansas City as, as a team against them in the Super Bowl last year. So I'm going to take Tampa Bay at number one. Again, these are my top NFL teams as of today, the top 10 ranking today. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to wrap up our very first ever episode of Spittin' Facts, the sports podcast. Uh, uh, real quick side note, this is, again, this is my first ever recording. I do apologize. This is a learning experience. Um, obviously, there are things to work on, things to improve, but I think for our first episode, we did pretty good. And by we, I mean me. Um, I think that this is going to be exciting. I'm very excited to continue to talk about sports and continue to express my knowledge out there. Uh, without further ado, we'll see you next week for episode two. Enjoy your day, ladies and gentlemen.